Support comes from Adelaide Interiors. Their design team can expertly manage every detail of your renovation and remodeling project from start to finish. From bathrooms to kitchens, appliances, cabinets, countertops, flooring, and coverings. More at Adelaide.com. Support for The Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at floridasenergy.com. <laughs> and much more dangerous. It's much more dangerous because when, you, when you're when you not picking up that alcohol, you tend to want to drink a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And Next thing you know. Next thing you know, you're in the pool. You're... <laughs> I'm Robin Sussingham, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. Barbecue season is in full swing, and we've got a fresh take on cooking with fire. Whether you're looking for a classic steak or an exciting vegetable dish, Chef Josiah Citrin is here to help you step up your grill game. Then to wash it all down, our mixology lesson at Tampa's Epicurean Hotel is sure to put you in good spirits. Happy Father's Day. It's bourbon and barbecue coming up on The Zest. Summer means grilling, and if you're tired of the usual burgers and hot dogs, and Chef Josiah Citrin is here to help. Los Angeles chef and restaurateur Josiah Citrin's new cookbook, Charcoal, promises new ways to cook with fire, from a sexy cabbage dish to a charred peach bellini. Josiah is a longtime owner-operator of a Michelin-starred French fine dining restaurant in Santa Monica, but he says he always enjoyed grilling with his friends on the weekends and having fun with those more casual recipes. So five years ago, he opened the restaurant Charcoal in Venice, and the idea for the cookbook was born. He spoke with our correspondent, Janet Keeler. So just a lot of different kinds of recipes here, but you said something in the in your introduction that I thought was interesting. You described the, the book and the, and the recipes uh, as uh, having craveability. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about that? What do you mean by that? Yeah. When I opened the restaurant, I wanted to, what, what can I have here that's going to bring people here all the time? And I thought about, what are the restaurants I like to go growing up? What is it that made me want to keep going there all the time? And I came up with craveability, where you <laughs> crave it. Like the chicken wings, you want them every day. You say, I crave those wings. Or the baked potato, for example. Yeah, Just the baked the potato looks delicious. Yeah, the cabbage. The cabbage is one that I think is probably one of our most craved dishes, and it's, people get it every time they come in, and they really never get tired of it. So I, I saw that recipe. Can you explain a little bit what that is, the cabbage yeah. one? Yeah, so the cabbage is something that I was that I used to do at home for family and friends, and then what it is is we bury the cabbage inside the coals, and then we let it cook. It's about an hour and 15 minutes to an hour and a half until it's completely charred on the outside. And then inside it's sweet, soft, and succulent, juicy, steaming with little smokiness. We cut it open, we serve it in wedges, and we serve it with um, a sumac yogurt with chives and lemon. And the idea when I used to do it at home was I'm going to put this out on the table and it's, we're not going to serve bread. Mm-hmm. And this will be like the first thing coming out, the first food to being served that night. And you'll take it with your hands and you'll dip it in the yogurt 
and have this whole experience of kind of eating it with your hands like you would focaccia, for example. Right. No one really ever does that at the restaurant, but in the book, I just wanted to show that too. So I had the person digging their hands into the, dipping the cabbage in, just that kind of. Yeah, I'm looking at that picture right now, and I see love tattooed on the on the uh, the wrist there. So we've got a double message. This is one sexy-looking cabbage, I'll tell you that. Exactly why <laughs> I chose her to put her hand in <laughs> with that tattoo. That's a, a great idea. Now, you also mentioned in the book that they're not quick and easy recipes, which is, you know, sort of daring these days. There's a lot of quick and easy stuff out there. So uh, talk a little bit about that, why you said that. I get requests all the time. Can you give us a great recipe that's 20 minutes? And... Making great food takes time, you know, starting with the fresh product, the fresh produce, the fresh meats. And I just wanted to be clear that it's not going to be, these are not your 30-minute quick dinner recipes, but they're great recipes. And we we tried to explain how to do them. And if you want to do them to condense the time and to make it easier the day you're going to do them, that you can do it. I wouldn't say it's a book to it's an everyday book. Even though some once you've made the sauces, you can marinate the steaks in them, then it becomes very much uh, quick use once you've done some prep work. Yeah, like I could, I could see that when, when I look through there. And, you know, the thing is with those cookbooks that promise quick and easy, sometimes they're not really quick and easy either. There's a lot of promises sometimes in cookbooks. So I think it's nice that you, you know, you were, were upfront about that. But you certainly do give a lot of tips about grilling that, that I think would help people out, especially if they're sort of new to it. What kind of equipment do you think people have to have right away besides I mean, I the think, grill? <laughs> I think you need the tongs, uh-huh. or obviously good tongs. I mean, tongs that actually grab the meat well, A good invest in a good pair of tongs. Um, I think you need a good grill brush. Uh-huh. You can use shovels and you know different garden picks to move the coals around, so you could always move the coals around. Something that we use a lot in, it's a baking rack over a sheet pan, a half sheet pan or a baking pan with a, sh- a rack over it, a glazing rack for resting your meats because that's one of the most important things you can do is rest your meats. Mm-hmm. And pretty much after that, you're pretty much home free. Can you talk a little bit about, um, obviously the name of the restaurant is Charcoal, the name of the cookbook is Charcoal. Why Charcoal over Gas Grill? Is that a dirty word? Did I say I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a dirty word. I, you know, I, I, we all cook of what we have available to us at the time. A lot of people are a little afraid of the charcoal or think it takes too much time to get it ready. In the end of the day, to heat your gas grill up properly and to make, and to get the coals ready, it's maybe a ten minutes difference. Uh-huh. I like cooking over charcoal. I like the flavor, and I think it's something about being around the fire, the sense of community. It brings people together, and you think about how many different cultures around the world use grilling, and it's always a party around, whether it's cooking lamb on a spit or doing you know, hibachi grilling. It's just a very community-style way of cooking. I'm a Korean restaurant. I think you grill in, in the middle of the table. Right. I just think it brings this idea about cooking around something brings everybody together. I imagine, too, with Father's Day coming up, that's always always kind of the classic grilling season. You have a couple children yourself, don't you? Yes, I do. You're going to be gathered around on Father's Day making something? Gathered around cooking on Father's <laughs> Day. Actually, that's how I got my first big green egg. It was a Father's Day present like 15 or 16 years ago. So a lot of this was developed from playing with it and cooking on it and on the weekends and for parties and celebrations, kids' graduations. You know, along the way, I had a lot of my kids are 21 and 19 now. So. Oh, they could be cooking for you. Yes, they can. <laughs> but it's, it, it's funny. Somehow, Mother's Day, the restaurants are packed, and everybody goes out to dinner. And then Father's Day, the dads end up grilling. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that's right. That doesn't seem fair, does it? Uh, I think it's good, you know, because usually we get, that means you get a good gift you want to use. Well, good grilling yes, gift. that's true. That's true. And you get everybody together, so that's kind of a nice a nice thing. Tell me about this, uh, the shrimp scampi. That looks delicious. Yeah, that's just a fun dish. So playing around with things you could do at home with entertaining. Mm-hmm. So basically you're in the coals. You're basically heating the pizza stone in the grill till it's like super hot, 700 degrees. Mm-hmm. And then you're putting some of the coals on it to keep it hot. And you're putting the shrimp scampi on the pizza stone at the table, and you're mixing around and finishing the dish. Um, it's pretty fun, entertaining, and delicious. Just a fun dish to do. Yeah, I, the reason I was attracted to it, aside from the beautiful photograph, is that it it looked like it would be a good a good recipe for someone who's maybe just starting. It didn't look you know particularly difficult. There wasn't a lot of a lot of ingredients to it. Plus, I think it probably keeps you from overcooking the shrimp. It does keep the shrimp, <laughs> which we tend not to overcooked, do. and yeah. it's really fun. It's it's very community, very celebration like in the middle of the table. Yeah. And it is pretty easy to do. It's not definitely very easy, and there's not a lot of ingredients. How do you kind of rectify your two sides here? So you, how do you bring them together? You've got the Michelin-starred fine dining restaurant in Melise and then uh, Charcoal Venice. So it's two really different different offerings. Yes, they are completely different in the in one way. And then in the same way, the way we approach everything with the attention to detail is where the two sides come together. Mm-hmm. So, as you read through these recipes, you'll see there's a lot of attention to how things are prepared, what ingredients we're choosing, the proportions of the ingredients that we're choosing. Like, for example, I approach the hamburger that it's all about proportion, right? How big the bun is to the burger, to the tomato, to the slice of let, to the pieces of lettuce, to the pickles. Right. It's really about, so that's where I approach it the same way I do the two Mission Star restaurant. It's all about the details. Even in the restaurant, about the service, it's very casual. But the attention to details and the service we're attempting to give is that same idea of creating an experience for everybody. Right. Just in a more casual setting. Just because the food comes out, it looks like just sliced meat on a plate. It doesn't mean what it took us to get there wasn't the same kind of detail. Mm-hmm. There. Thought, especially thought. And would you call that what you do, it's really more grilling, isn't it, than barbecuing? Yeah. So it's it's quicker. It's quicker. We have a few smoke dishes in here, Mm -hmm. but a lot of them we do quick smoking. Like the wings, it's kind of like smoke grilled. So you do have some wood in there that's smoking. At the same time, you're kind of smoking it, but you're quick grilling it. So it's a quick smoke. Gets that smoky flavor, but it's not a long, drawn-out smoke. It's a lot about the vegetables also. A lot of vegetables and a lot of grilling vegetables. Those carrots look dynamite. Those are amazing. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah, so those, we take the carrots and we put them inside. Well, we put them in a grill basket, cover them with coals, cook them until they're cooked. It's about 15 to 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And take them out, we put them in a bowl, and then we cover them with plastic wrap, kind of like you do for bell peppers right. when you're trying to peel them. Then mm-hmm. we take them out, we peel them, and then we toss them with a black pepper honey glaze. And then we put lots of herbs on them, fresh different herbs, and we serve it with a ricotta cheese sheep's milk ricotta is preferred but if not any ricotta cheese a lot of extra virgin olive oil and some fresh sea salt and cracked black pepper mm, they just they look amazing and that black pepper honey is just really genius that's a, that's yeah, a and really you could use that idea. for lots of different things it doesn't have to be just for the carrots yeah i thank you very much for spending the time with us today and i wish you a lot of luck on the cookbook and happy thank to have a so nice much. father's day all right yeah have a great weekend grilling too okay. everybody's gonna grill it up this weekend okay thank you chef all right 
That was Janet Keeler speaking with Chef Josiah Citron about his new cookbook, Charcoal, New Ways to Cook with Fire. Chef Josiah shared some recipes from the cookbook with us, including grilled bone-in prime ribeye, charred artichokes with lemon aioli, and a midnight margarita. You can find them on our website, thezestpodcast.com. Bourbon is having a moment. Not only does the spirit pair well with barbecue, but a bottle of the good stuff makes a great gift idea. Producer Dalia Colon and I recently headed to Tampa's Epicurean Hotel to meet Nate Wilson, the director of spirits for Burns Steakhouse and its sister properties, including the Epicurean. Nate taught us the bourbon basics, offered tips for choosing an affordable yet impressive bottle of this spirit, and shared some refreshing bourbon cocktail recipes that you'll want to keep handy all summer long. I am at the Epicurean Hotel in the restaurant Elevage, and I'm with Dalia Cologne. Hey, Dalia. Hey, Robin. And I'm here with Nate Wilson. Nate Wilson, tell me about yourself. Uh, I am the Director of Spirits at Burns Steakhouse and the Burns Inn Group, so Burns Haven, and I work in conjunction with the Epicurean Hotel as well. And uh, we're here to talk about bourbon for Father's Day. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Are you a bourbon lover? I am. I am. I'm excited for this. Oh, I am yeah. very excited. <laughs> we are all very excited. So first of all, let me just ask you a couple basic questions. So what's the difference between scotch, bourbon, and rye? Bourbon is made with corn, uh, 51% corn. Rye, if it's a rye, then it has to be 51% rye, at least 51%. And then what grain is uh, scotch made out of? It's uh, barley. So it's like a malted barley. Okay. So those that would give those different grains... Corn or rye grain or barley would give it the distinct flavors. Right, okay. definitely. With bourbon, bourbon is distilled at no higher than 160 proof. Then it goes into the barrel at 125 proof, and then it's bottled at 80. Um, before it's bottled, it's aged in barrels. And, and it, honestly, a, a bourbon could end up, you, you can take a distillate and put it in a barrel and roll it around and call it a bourbon. But to be a straight bourbon, to meet all those higher, higher standards, has to be aged for two years or more. Um, what about the different qualities of bourbon, though? I honestly never really thought I liked bourbon until I had uh, Widow Jane. And now I'm hooked. Yeah. <laughs> Widow Jane is, is one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, Love it. It's almost, it's more like a liqueur, really. I it drink can it straight. Be, they, they, they we're going to get age. you some help. <laughs> um, their, their technique is a little different than everybody else. Everybody has their own technique. But what makes certain bourbons special or more expensive than others is, uh, could be the aging process, um, how long it's aged, how long it sits in, in a rick house or a rack house, if you will, the, the demand. Uh, you have uh, the ones out there like Pappy Van Winkle, but those are historic bourbons from uh, Stessel Weller. So that, that can make that a little bit more expensive. And the demand. Like how expensive? Uh, Pappy Van Winkle, you could probably buy a bottle in a liquor store probably for about three four $400. But on the, uh, American dollars? What, what they call, what they say on the street market, uh, can go up as upwards as three thousand dollars for a bottle, because it's so rare to get. I do have a, a couple, and those are the ones I pull out for really special occasions. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, speaking of special occasions, if we wanted to 
maybe get our dads something for Father's Day. And of course, dads aren't the only ones who like bourbon. Moms like bourbon. People without a kids like bourbon. like bourbon. And we're not really at that pappy level just yet. What would you recommend? How do you go about choosing a bourbon as a gift? Wow. Um, for me, I, I, what, I, what I would do is actually there are certain bourbons that are great for any palate. And for me, one would be a Woodford. Um, that's probably, actually, Woodford is pretty straight across the board, very um, a little viscous, has, a, has just a little bit of bite, not too much. I, I feel like their mash bill or their recipe, if you will, kind of invites everyone. Popular. Yes. Yeah, across yes. the board. Is that a Kentucky bourbon? It is. So it is. What may, what's special about Kentucky? I, honestly, I think it's the climate. The climate is what makes their bourbon so great. And not just Kentucky. So you have Kentucky, Ohio, Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana. So that area just, I think it's the heat and the, the, the winter, the, you know, summer and the winter, summer and winter, because that is what gives you your flavor in your barrel, believe it or not. Once you put that dis- distillate in the barrel, um, the barrel has to do the, the climate and the barrel does the rest of the work. So in the summertime, the barrel expands. It sucks all that distillate into the barrel. And then in the, in, the, in the wintertime, it pushes it out of the wood. And after a few years of it expanding and extracting, you have that, you have that concentration, and that's where the bourbon gets its flavor from. That is it's, so cool. It's from the, it's from the staves and Like the a living thing. It is. It that, is. That, that is really cool. Well, I, uh, I do not want to wait any longer. You're going to make us a couple cocktails with bourbon, right? Definitely. Definitely. Uh, tell, tell me what you're about to make. So here. the first one we're going to make, and again... I, I picked two to make for you, and these are the easiest cocktails to make. When you're at a pool party or you have a bunch of people over, you don't want to be in the kitchen mashing up cherries and strawberries and whatever, and you have 20 or 30 people at a party. Because once one person likes that recipe, everybody wants it. And so that's all you're doing all day long. These, these two cocktails I have for you, um, one is called the BLT. Um, it's a bullet bourbon with lemon tonic water, so BLT. Um, okay. um, and then the second one is uh, Orange You Glad It's Summer. And orange. Orange You Glad It's Summer. That's going to be made with uh, the Maker's Mark, little orange carousel um, with I- over ice. And um, with an orange garnish, and then we'll we'll top it off with some fever tree, uh, orange ginger beer as well. Let's okay. No, with no more ado. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. He's right. got everything set up right here. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So the first one, we'll we'll do the. We'll start with the BLT. Let me go ahead and open up the. So the B is the bullet, and. Uh, and our BL, BLT, the LT is the lemon tonic. So not bacon, lettuce, and tomato. No, I'm, I'm no. a vegetarian, so I'm going to have okay. to sit that one out. First, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me uh, get a little ice in. Uh, now, I use like a white wine glass because I try to do it like a spritzer. If I can get it in there. There we go. So putting a little ice in That's the it. white wine glass. Into the white wine glass. I'm going to grab the bullet bourbon. We're going to do an ounce and a half of the bullet bourbon. This is so simple. You're going to... And I can smell that bourbon from a few feet away, mm. and it smells delicious. It's beautiful. Yeah. And then I'm going to take... Again, this is, that is like very a simple. Beautiful amber color. I'm going to take the lemon tonic water, the Fever Tree lemon tonic water. 
Pour it on top there, and you can adjust how much you want in there. If you if you're if the ounce and a half is too much, then you can just add a little bit more of of the lemon tonic water. So about and how much lemon tonic water? Lemon tonic water. So this part of this fever cheese is probably about six point seven ounces. So probably about five ounces. Really, just filled up the, the yeah, glass. Yeah. yeah, and you can adjust that. Mm -hmm. And then we do just a, a little lemon twist. So what I like to do is kind of squeeze the lemon twist over the glass a little bit. It gives it a little bit of that zest and the oil from from the from the rind, and you just drop it in there. Oh, so pretty. And that's it. Okay. It's like a yellowish now this color. One, now this one, it's like a little bit bitter, so if you wanted, you could add a little bit of um, uh, simple syrup, which is just uh, equal parts uh, sugar and water. Oh, but this so, is, this is really so this is just, so you can make it sweeter if you want. It's a lemon tonic water, so you don't have any sugar in this. No, okay. no, it's just now, a lemon about, tonic water about, and the bourbon. Nate, what about stirring? That's you, a, you don't have to. It's just pour over ice and you're good to go. That's it's so easy. That, yeah. That's why I wanted to. That's why I came up with these. Okay, so. cheers, guys. All right, cheers. See if that bitterness hits her. <laughs> you're making a face. No, a good Am face. I? A good face. <laughs> For bourbon, it, it, so it's very rare that you have bourbons that are in spritzers. So. Um, I, I think this is a perfect bourbon spritzer. You can you can dial it, it is, down. You can go it's really out. refreshing, and I don't. I mean, I was waiting for that. You said wait till that bitter hits her, yeah. but it doesn't taste bitter to me at all. Yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. I think bourbon has got so much sugar in it already. It has you, a natural sugar from the vanillins and everything from from the barrel as well. Um, that's just a, a really a really nice sort of a. a I don't know, kind of a lemonade. I don't know what would be the what would be the equivalent of this. It could with be a, bourbon lemonade if you wanted. You know, kind of a Tom Collins kind of. A yeah, lemonade. like but bourbon. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Do you I, have the best job in the world? <laughs> I, you know, we've had events before where I've been introduced and people want to ask me what I do, and I just tell them I have the best job known to man. I. My daughter, when she tells people what I do, she's like, oh, my dad gets paid to drink. I'm like, oh, well, come on, hold your brakes on that one. You know, there's a little bit more to it. But honestly, it's not a bad gig. It's it really, it really is. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great gig. And creative. I, get to I travel to Kentucky probably four or five times a year. Um, Vermont with Whistlepig and, oh, my God, they're just all over the place. Uh, George Dickel in Tennessee and then going to Scotland. And um, we're planning to go to Budapest to buy... Uh, wine to age uh, a spirit in that barrel, and yeah. it just—it's it's, never-ending. So yes, I have sounds the best like a lot of fun. So Delia, go ahead, take a sip, see what you okay. think. Okay, it's nice. It's not as bitter as Nate made it sound. <laughs> so thank you for that. Uh, yeah. um, it's refreshing. You could drink. I could drink this all day. You can adjust it if you needed the sweetness. You could. Um, I'm a purist. I drink everything neat. Um, you know, this is bringing back memories to me because I think <laughs> my grandfather would put uh, he put bourbon in our in our eggnog. That's been known to happen. Yeah, um, is that? I mean, that must be popular for the eggnog. It is it actually, and during the holidays, that's that's one of our things that we do around here. We might do an eggnog or or something like that, but it's we always make sure we highlight some bourbon. Um, adding water, which that's a big debate. Yeah, adding water to bourbon, um, you'll you'll hear people like, "Ah, oh, I never put water in my bourbon." Da 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 da. But there's a science behind doing that, and I'm not saying like 50% water, 50% whiskey. I'm talking about um, having whiskey neat or bourbon neat, and just adding a few drops 
actually changes the complexity of the bourbon as a whole. It completely changes it, just a few drops. Um, I have heard that, and that surprises me. Yeah, the science behind it is kind of cool. It's, it's really neat. Um, the science behind it is, is when you pour a bourbon or a scotch, even, even a scotch, that there's oils within, uh, within the ethanol. And as you add the water, it separates the ethanol or the alcohol. And what it does, it causes it, causes it a compound, which makes it, it releases more nuances as far as uh, nose and flavor go. Alcohol wants to be a gas so bad that it, it just releases more as you add the water. I see. And then it brings up some of the... The volatility brings up some of the flavor. And more it, of it, it, it can make it more viscous, a little bit more creamier. Um, it, when you're getting, you could be getting notes of just walnut or or certain bacon spices. Then you add water, and it could release uh, more caramel, more vanilla, and um, maybe apricot. And instead of roasted almond, it's more fresh almond. And, and I can go all day on those things. But these are the descriptors, kind of, of what we're looking for. When, when we're uh, buying whiskey. And you're just talking about a couple drops. Just a couple drops. Just a couple drops can change uh, the complexity. If you have an ounce and a half whiskey, a few drops can change the whole complexity of that. Well, that was, that was delicious. So, um, Dalia, put that down. <laughs> <laughs> we have to, go, we have to uh, keep working, I guess. <laughs> All right, well, what's next? Uh, next is, uh, next is uh, Orange You Glad It's Summer. So I have a mixing tin. If you, uh, not everybody has a mixing tin at home. You can have two glasses and kind of mix it back and forth. I think I'd call that like a martini shaker. Yeah, we could do that too. Is that the same thing? Yeah, yeah. It'll just keep, again, keep it simple. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. So I'm going to add some ice to the martini shaker. And so we have some orange carousel, which is the orange liqueur. And we are going to add, we're going to add an ounce of the orange liqueur to the mixing tin, to the ice in the mixing tin. Love that smell. And then we are going to take ounce and a half of the Maker's Mark bourbon. How do you choose which bourbon to use for which cocktails? So certain bourbons will have certain characteristics. Some have um, orange flavor to it. Some have a burnt orange. And that's kind of kind of picked makers because it does have a little bit orange, um, again, nuance to it. But if we used our Woodford or our Bullet, it, w- it still tastes good. I mean, Maker's Mark is just you picked it for a that, particular right. flavor profile. Can I use that glass there? I'm going to go ahead and fill the glass with ice ahead of time. All right, so take my mixing tin and shake. That's the fun part. Probably, uh, probably just about 10 seconds there. And then I'm going to take my strainer, strain this, strain the mixture in the mixing tin uh, into the glass. And then we're gonna pop open the, the Fever Tree Spice Orange Ginger Ale. And we're gonna to top that off. And we're do, again, we're gonna do the same thing with the orange, the orange peel, kinda of twist a little bit over the top, get some of that 
Just some of the oils released on there. And you decorate it with that. And there you go. I, I, this one, the, the, um, the other one was much more bourbon flavor forward. This one is much milder, I think. And much more dangerous. And, and much more dangerous. <laughs> it's much more dangerous because when you when you're not picking up that alcohol, you tend to want to drink a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And next thing you know, next thing you know, you're in the pool. You're exactly <laughs> <laughs> with your phone and with your wallet. You know, it's, it's happened. I'm raising my hand. I, I've done it. So. <laughs> All right. Mm. That that's delicious. I'll be the judge that's of that. <laughs> and again, you can again these are recipes that you can die. They're simple, so if you want to bring back the carousel at a half ounce and add, oh, add more whiskey, if you want, take it to two ounces instead of an ounce and a half, you can do that. Or you can dial down the whiskey and the carousel and add more of uh, of the fever tree. What is it about bourbon in general? Millennials are crazy for it. It's not like it's a new thing. It's kind of like the, the well, avocado toast of beverages. <laughs> like everyone's hot for it right now. What's well, that? Why it, is that? It's funny because, you know, it used to be, this is what my grandfather drank. And I'm not, you know, I'm not drinking what the old people drink. I think the ability to do so many things with bourbon at a bar, it's whatever cocktails. Uh, I mean, you can do basically make any cocktail with bourbon. So I, I think it took a while to catch back on. Now, it's been rocking and rolling for about eight to ten years, like really strong. And a few years ago, you know, we heard, "Hey, bourbon's on its way out," and what tequila and gin are on their way in, and we're like, "Nah." Look, these guys, Jim Beam and, and Buffalo Trace and, and all these, these uh, distilleries are building 5, 6, 10, 15, 20 more warehouses to house bourbon. So it's not on the decline. It's still, it's still taking off. Don't get me wrong. All the other spirits are doing well, but bourbon is just the popularity um, of it is just, just keeps going. And going, and it's because of what you can do with it. So so versatile. Yeah. Did you taste that? Did you taste the I orange? I did you... taste the orange. Or, I love. What the, was it? Uh, orange you. Orange you. Orange, glad orange it's glad summer. It's summer. <laughs> I am glad it's summer, and I'm glad you made us that drink because that'll get us through the heat and humidity. It's light. It's zesty, which we love. I love that citrus flavor. Um, Robin talked about her grandfather adding bourbon to eggnog. Mm -hmm. Do you have a memory like that? Some of your early food or drink memories that kind of led you into this field? I do remember sitting around Saturday and Sunday, my dad putting on, you know, some records and kind of relaxing. And I really don't remember what he was drinking. But I do remember, you know, it's a family affair in the background, the music kicking and him just relaxing and singing. Yeah, and, and all these things. And as I got into the business, um, all those memories started coming back to me. And I, I, I had forgotten those. But then once I fell in love about 13, 14 years ago, really, with, with um, bourbon and, and, and spirits, um, all those uh, childhood memories started coming back. And I love that. It's, to me... Sharing a, a special cocktail or a special bourbon with someone. Sometimes I meet friends, and there might be a bourbon again that I hold, you know, I hold close to, 
to my heart that I only want to share with special people. And those are those moments that you remember as you're, oh, you remember, you know, last year when you broke open your Blanton's Barrel Proof, which is you can only get, um, you can get uh, overseas. Um, those type of things, I, I don't know. It, that's a great question. See, I get emotional when I start talking about it because this is what, I fell in love with, and this is my passion. Um, not just bourbon, but spirits as a whole, but bourbon um, is amazing. It's absolutely amazing what you can do, and how you can enjoy it so many ways. And there's, to me, there's no wrong answer. There's, there's no wrong way of, of enjoying bourbon. I mean, my favorite cocktail is right here. <laughs> it's just, just bourbon. Just, 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 bourbon. Just the bourbon. Just the bourbon, you know? So... Um, Nate Wilson, thank you so much for thank having you. me. Thank and so Dalia, it's just been great. <laughs> this was pleasure. fun. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Happy Father's Day. Yeah. Thank you. That's Nate Wilson, Director of Spirits for the Epicurean Hotel, Burns Steakhouse, and Haven. You can find Nate's recipes for the bourbon cocktails BLT and Orange You Glad It's Summer on our website, thezestpodcast.com. If you want to hear more about Burns Steakhouse, check out last week's episode. We toured the Burns Kitchen with Chef de Cuisine Hab Hamday. Well, we've got to go. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram at The Zest Podcast. Visit us at thezestpodcast.com for recipes and stories that you might have missed. And be sure to subscribe to The Zest on our website or on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Robin Sussingham. Delia Cologne and I produce The Zest with help from Craig George, Mark Hayes, and Megan Trimble. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media.